Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Nick Augustine, and I'm here with attorney Mark Scroggins of Rule Scroggins, PLLC, divorce and family law firm in Dallas, serving Dallas and Collin counties. This is the Rule Scroggins Family Law Podcast Series, featuring news and information about Texas divorce and family law. Today's program is Temporary Orders Hearings in Texas Divorce and Family Law with Mark Scroggins. A few of the topics we'll talk about today, we'll discuss the purpose of temporary orders hearings and the subject matter that's decided there. We'll talk about priorities in preparing for a temporary orders hearing and the opportunity to make advanced agreements. Uh, We'll talk about what to expect in court, the procedures that are involved in a temporary orders hearing, and of course, we'll talk about not angering the judge and uh, the process and (laughs) essentially what not to do in a temporary orders hearing. Uh, Also, we'll talk about what happens if a temporary orders hearing of the court, the orders are not being followed by the other party, what is to be expected uh, thereafter during the family law case. I'm here again with board-certified family law attorney Mark Scroggins, and he's an aggressive and experienced trial attorney with a sound understanding of business matters, and that serves him well in family law. He's an accomplished speaker and author. Mr. Scroggins has practiced family law throughout the state of Texas for over 20 years. He has written about family law matters for the Texas Lawyer and numerous other periodicals, and has spoken about litigation technology before numerous organizations and corporate clients. Mark Scroggins has a unique background in cutting-edge litigation technology, which is utilized by the entire firm to increase its benefit to litigation clients. As a way of a short disclaimer as we get going on our program today, this is a general information program. This program is not legal advice. Listening to this program does not create an attorney-client relationship. For more information, please call Rule Scroggins directly to speak to an attorney by dialing area code 214-578-0941. Again, that's 214-578-0941. All Rice's broadcast are reserved, and it's time to say hello to Mark. Hey, Nick. How are you? I am doing well. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Well, I uh, hope that today, you know, Friday, Friday mornings, and the gloomy outside, time to take a time to talk about some things in family law here as we do on this series. And uh, temporary orders hearing is something that uh, most folks are generally aware of. Um, maybe it's an uh, event or a moment that causes anxiety in some because it feels like, you know, you have that first opportunity to make an impression with the judge and people feel that everything that's decided in that temporary orders hearing is pretty close to how it's going to be moving on in the future. And sometimes that's true, sometimes that's not. But let's start at the beginning and just talk about what is a temporary orders hearing, when does it happen, what's the purpose, and what gets decided? Sure. Well, a temporary order hearing typically is going to happen at the, uh, at the very beginning of the case, and it is uh, you know, kind of what it sounds like. It is to set up temporary orders, and those temporary orders are going to set up uh, basically who's going to live where, where are the kids going to live, what the relationships are, um, and, and things like that. So going over into legal terminology, it's going to determine temporary conservatorship, whether you know the parties are temporary joint managing conservators or one is a temporary sole managing conservator, you know, who is going to be able to establish the primary domicile of the children or uh, child on a 
temporary basis, the amount of child support that's going to be paid, uh, you know, where each person is going to live, who's going to be responsible for paying what bills. And then additionally, uh, aside from those temporary orders that are basically designed to kind of keep the status quo uh, during the pendency of the lawsuit, you're also going to have determinations made of, say, if the court's going to order a custody evaluation or psychological evaluations of uh, either party or, or the kids and, and things of that sort, if a business valuation is, is going to be necessary, you know, if the parties own a, own a business or, uh, you know, if there, are different, uh, if there are different business interests that need to be evaluated. Uh, so that is basically what a temporary order hearing is and what it does. Now, like I said, it typically is set up at the beginning at the beginning of a case. Now, if somebody goes in and gets a uh, temporary restraining order at the outset, then the temporary order hearing is going to going to happen within 14 days from the day that that uh, that temporary restraining order was issued. Uh, if a temporary restraining order is not issued and someone just asks for it, then you know it could be three weeks, it could be six weeks, you know, maybe the parties are attempting to negotiate things and they're just not getting anywhere, so uh, then they request it later on down the line. So so basically, in a nutshell. Who brings, who sets the date for the temporary order hearing? Is it the party who's bringing the divorce or is the court setting that date? No, the court's going to date. I mean, what's going to happen is either party has the ability to request the hearing, but then you've got to coordinate with the court coordinator to get uh, to get available dates for for the court and uh, you know for for everybody's schedules, and then that's coordinated that manner. Mm-hmm. How often do people say we want to work on this, work on some settlement options and agreements first, and maybe set it out a little ways, or? Is it more common that people just want to kind of get in and get that temporary order searing done? You know, it, I wouldn't say that there is any one way that you you see that it tends to go. I mean, it really every case is different. You know, there there are some people that are really trying to get things done uh, as amicably as as possible, and then you have other divorce cases where you know the parties can't agree that the sky's blue. So you know, in in that in that situation, then it's just, you know, muster your forces and get ready to go, you know, try a temporary order hearing. Uh, on the other hand, you know, there are plenty of times where people are trying to reach an agreement because if, you know, if you don't really have highly disputed issues or, uh, and this is where it's so important to really hire a, a really good lawyer. And it's, you know, I, I always tell my, my clients that I, I hope your spouse hires the best lawyer they can find because we'll be able to go through and, you know, basically be able to tell you what I anticipate the court will do at a temporary order hearing. Now, sometimes you just don't know on certain issues, but uh, there are plenty of times where, you know, you know basically what the court's going to do. So, uh, you know, so maybe there's some negotiating going on related to just a couple of, you know, maybe there are only a couple of issues that are really you know, that, that need need uh, the judge to make a decision. And so you're trying to get those resolved without the necessity of having to to go down there and have the hearing and spend a bunch of money in the process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll talk about priorities in a second, but first uh, let's describe a little to the folks who've never had the pleasure of going through this process, what it may look like, because I'm sure there are a lot of folks who 
um, picture the uh, you know the traditional uh, courtroom. Everyone in town will be seated, <laughs> watching. Uh, there will be a parade of uh, 500 witnesses outside, court reporters, maybe news cameras. You know, people imagine the the top of the you know, the most uh, they can imagine. What is it in reality? Uh, what what's the what's it like? How long does it take? Who's usually there? Well, and that's, you know, one of the things that uh, that's important in, you know, knowing what county <laughs> you're in, because every county is different. I mean, for example, Dallas County, you know, there there are plenty of times where I've got a temporary order hearing where you've got a lot of things at issue, you know, and we might have two or three hours uh, set aside. So it's basically a mini trial and we might have, you know, three or four witnesses per side. Um now, when you're in Collin County, they've got a 20-minute per side rule, which means that, you know, each side only has 20 minutes to present their case, and that includes cross-examining the other side's witnesses. So, uh, you know, it's really kind of a Cliff Notes version of, you know, what I would typically want to put on. Now, sometimes you can get a court to uh, to expand that time a little, but there's some, some courts up there that you know, absolutely will not do that. Denton is a bit of a hybrid. Um, you know, you get plenty of times where they're just going to give 30 minutes aside. Uh, but you have other courts where, you know, you can get a, a couple hours um, up to a, to a half day. I mean, I just had a temporary order hearing up in Denton in uh, the 158th the other day, and we had a, you know, we had a half day to get the thing done. So, uh, and we needed every bit of it. <laughs> so, uh, so it really, it really, varies um you know you're going to have a court reporter in uh denton or collin county in the temporary order hearing in dallas you will not unless you bring your own because you're being heard by an associate judge um so they do not have a court reporter assigned to the associate judge's court that's why you know it's imperative for you to hire your own and bring them if you think that it's going to be important that you maintain a record of the hearing. Uh, if there is the money to do that, I always suggest doing that uh, because you never know if you're going to need to appeal. Um, and you've got the ability to appeal it in Dallas, do what's called a de novo appeal to the district court and basically do the whole thing over again. Um, so it really, it really varies. I mean, there are times where uh, the courtroom is full, and you know, it's kind of a uh, you know a cattle call, um, and you have hearings going back to back. So, but as far as you know, the media being there and all that, uh, you know, very rarely, unless you've got you know public figures, are you going to see something like that. What about red carpets and ballet outside? I suppose it also depends on <laughs> there that day. But. You know, it's, yeah, it's, uh, you, you typically you're not seeing that either. <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny. It's it's always interesting to me. Um, and I've known for you know a long time about you know Collin County wanting to do things in you know 20 minutes each side. Um, I just I wonder I, how does that that would present a unique uh, amount of anxiety, I suppose, in preparing where knowing if you get a short time. Um, it makes sense to try to set a lot of stuff up ahead of time. Um, so in that situation, what do you tell clients as far as coming to agreement uh, on some things? Um, do you find sometimes that the clients might be more inclined to, 
I get, I don't want to say be pushed into an agreement because they're not going to have time to deal with, you know, you got to pick and choose. If you got 20 minutes or you got 30 minutes and you know that you got to pick and choose what you're going to go back and forth on. Um, do you think people find uh, anxiety in, in that? Or is there more, if you have a shorter t- time frame to deal with the temporary hearing, is there more time, I suppose, spent in trying to hash things out and come to some agreements beforehand? You know, it, it all, once again, it depends on the individual case. I mean, sometimes, you know, let's say that you are, you are going to seek um, having a 50-50 possession schedule or um, you're going to be seeking to be the party who can establish the primary, uh, prim- primary domicile for, for the children. You really don't have much of a choice but having a hearing on that if the other party is not in agreement with that, just from a strategy standpoint. Because once the temporary, temporary orders go into place, if you have already agreed that you're basically agreeing this is what is in the best interest of the children, okay, um, then the court is going to look at that. You know, down the road, if you're going to a final trial, well, if if you thought that's what was in the kid's best interest, why did you agree to let them, you know, stay with the other party? Why did you agree not to be primary? It must not have been that uh, that big a deal. So there's there's sometimes where you just simply don't have a choice but to but to go ahead and have the hearing uh, on certain issues from a strategy standpoint looking to final trial. Um, if there, if there are not those issues, let's say you've got a situation where, you know, dad's a high wage earner, mom's basically been, you know, stay at home with the kids the, the entirety of the marriage. You know, well, it doesn't really make a lot of sense unless mom's got, you know, some alcohol or drug issues or something else going on, some mental health issues um, that, you know, would really raise the issue of the kids being primarily with her. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to to fight about that because it's a loser, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, so you know, my suggestion is always that here, here's the thing you, that you've got to think of. People think that they get divorced and, you know, then, oh, my God, I don't have to deal with that idiot for, you know, the rest of my life, which there's nothing further from the truth. You are, you are tied to that person for the rest of your life if you've got kids, okay, whether you like it or not. So you're going to have an ongoing relationship. So, Trying to preserve a amicable relationship is paramount um, because of how long that's going to go on and, and the way that benefits not just you but especially especially the kids. So you know, my thought is, you know, obviously if you if you've got differing views and you need to fight over something, you know, you're whatever that is, then by all means you need to do it. But if not, you know. If you can resolve things amicably, that is going to be in everybody's best interest, not to mention from a financial standpoint, that's going to save you a ton of money because, you know, obviously what, what happens when there's a fight, you know, the attorney's fees skyrocket. And that's mm-hmm. great for me, but that isn't, you know, that isn't, you know, great for the client in, in most situations. You know, nobody wants to spend money unless, you know, unless you really need to do it. Well, and the, the judge does not want to decide everything for people's lives moving forward. And if, if a, you know, parties can't come to an agreement on, on much of anything, you know, it's a, you, you, as a judge, you sort of have a little less, <laughs> I guess, 
you know, I don't know if credibility is the right word, but anticipation that these people are going to be able to work anything out or if they're just fighting for the sake of fighting. But uh, we'll talk uh, in a minute about uh, your first impression uh, with your judge. Um, but in the meantime, what would you say to folks who would say, all right, I'm preparing for this temporary orders hearing. My lawyer suggests maybe I should do this or that with what's going to happen maybe over a um, visitation schedule or custody or whatever we're going to decide. Um, and they say, well, you know, it's just a temporary order, Saring, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'll give into this one pretty easily. I'm going to try to, you know, undo that for the final order, Saring, uh, you know, so I guess what would you say to folks who, who ask you how permanent are these, uh, decisions that occur in the temporary orders hearing and is the is the final orders you know sort of a, a rubber stamp of those um, you know how difficult is it to change things uh, from what we do in the temporary orders hearing you know how important is it to get it right I guess at the at the beginning at the that temporary orders hearing well I mean generally you know, the temporary order hearing is going to be the biggest battle in the war with the exception of the final trial, okay? So if you, have, if you have had a contested temporary order hearing and the court makes these decisions on temporary conservatorship, possession and access, child support, um, you know, all of these different things, let's say that the court goes ahead and orders a, a custody evaluation and maybe – uh, you've got allegations going back and forth about, you know, a litany of things. So they're psyche valves that are, that are ordered as well. The court is going to have to hear some new evidence to make it change its opinion from where it was at the temporary order hearing. Now, that's entirely possible, and it happens all the time. Um, but there are plenty of times where it doesn't as well, you know, so – uh, you might have a situation where somebody is fighting about uh, child custody at a temporary order hearing, and what they're really banking on is they're figuring, hey, I'm probably going to lose at the temporary order hearing, but I'm looking at that custody evaluation to really come back in my favor and be you know, the ace in the hole that's going to change the situation where you know, a mental health expert is going to make a recommendation that uh, the kid or kids should be with that person. So it's, uh, you know, preparation for a temporary order hearing is, is paramount, but it's, you know, it's easy, well, easy. Uh, it, it's not a problem going in and trying, say, a three- or four-day lawsuit. You've got plenty of time to do stuff, or maybe it's even a week or a couple of weeks. Uh, but trying to basically boil everything down to do something in 20 minutes, mental talent, because you've got to – You've got to make sure your witnesses really stay on point, and you've just got to hit the high notes. And, you know, for some cases, that's fine. For other cases where there are a lot of issues involved, that's really difficult. And it's imperative that you, if you're in Collin County, you, you file a motion seeking to expand the time uh, and, uh, you know, let the court know the reason that you need to have all of this extra time, and, you know, hopefully you've mm -hmm. got experts that are testifying and things of that The court may yeah. or may not grant your request. You just, or that you know, they're on the time and available. I mean, it can be, uh, <laughs> is everybody here at the party? That can be scary if not. Right. Um, what about yep. issues, are, can, can any issues be reserved 
for final trial, or do they have to be decided in temporary orders hearing? For example, if um, there's an issue, you know, wondering whether it's a maintenance case or not, um, can maintenance be temporarily reserved, for example, and decided later, or do we really need to cross all our T's and dot all our I's at our temporary orders hearing? Well, maintenance isn't going to be determined at a temporary order hearing. That's only something that's going to be determined at final trial. You might end up in a situation where there is temporary spousal support, but that, while it basically acts the same way as spousal maintenance, it's a different beast, okay? So spousal maintenance is something – I'm sorry, let me back up for a second. Temporary spousal support is something that is used to um, cover living expenses and things like that during the pendency of the lawsuit. So let's say – use that same scenario where dad's a high wage earner or mom's been stay at home with the kids and they've got, you know, a big house with a big mortgage and the big car payments and all this kind of stuff. Well, if mom has a kid, she's going to be staying in the house and she obviously doesn't have the money to be making those payments. So dad is going to be ordered to pay temporary spousal support in the form of either being ordered to make all those payments or to pay mom so that she can make those payments. Okay. Now, the difference is that's because there hasn't been any division of, of the marital estate. So when you get down to the issue of spousal maintenance at the end of the case, that comes into play if a per- person qualifies under, <clears throat> under the statute to be able to get spousal maintenance and if the amount that they get out of the division of the marital estate does not meet their quote-unquote, minimum reasonable needs, and that's a real important phrase there. But that's what the difference is, okay? So temporary spousal support is basically used to make sure that both people are going to be able to live, you know, while, while the case is, is ongoing. Uh, spousal maintenance is used basically to help that other person get back on their feet and reenter the workforce after um, you know, not being in the workforce for a long period of time. So, so those are different. Now, having said that, with your question of can things be reserved until the final hearing, absolutely. You can, you can do that. The question is whether or not, you know, y'all can reach it. And when I say y'all, I mean, you know, the, the parties and opposing attorneys. If you can reach an agreement to do so, you can absolutely reserve um you know, reserve things until final trial, and you can put that in the orders that, you know, the parties specifically agree that there has not been any determination as to, you know, X, Y, or Z. So you can do that. That You know, the thing to remember is that just about everything is negotiable. Still there? Mark? Can't hear you. Yep. There we go. Okay, there we go. All right. Uh, I know that I, that's a good, a good, good to answer some of those points because uh, something I think that sets a lot of people uh, more at ease, knowing that they don't have to decide and do absolutely everything right there, especially if you have limited time. Um, let's talk a little bit about the first opportunity to make a good impression on a judge. Um, what do you tell people as far as how to prepare for a temporary orders hearing? And um, what do you do with people who are maybe a little quick on the tongue? Um, you know, what to do, what not to do? What's, what have you seen in your experience? And uh, what do you tell folks? 
spend time with your lawyer getting prepared, uh, you know, prepared for the temporary order hearing. I might run through, um, you know, a mock direct test and mock cross-examination of what I anticipate going to ask, and that is going to, you know, help client to understand what it's going to be like going through direct and cross-examination. Um, you know, it, those types of things are real important. Also, you know, the client has to understand that when when they are testifying, you know, typically they are going to be the star witness. So it is up to them to be able to, you know, get their their story across to the court in, you know, a cohesive and cogent manner. And uh, that's why it's important to spend some time with your lawyer in doing that. Additionally, uh, you need to spend some time with people so that they understand about cross-examination. And, you know, you don't want to sit there and argue with the opposing attorney. You want to be respectful. You don't want to be a smartass. You don't you know, if uh, you know if you can answer with a yes or a no, do that. If you if you uh, can answer with a sentence, don't answer with a paragraph. You know, so so there are different things like that. You want to make sure that you don't start going down rabbit trails, you know, and providing other uh, leads, so to speak, for opposing counsel to to travel down and find some stuff out that you don't want them to find out at that time. Yes, the goal is not necessarily to be memorable to the judge. I heard that one time. Uh, someone said, my client wants the judge to remember them, and they're putting on a bit of a performance and a bit of a show. <laughs> mm-hmm. He had a conversation about it. You know, How many uh, you know, people does this judge see uh, on a daily basis? <laughs> but this, this client wanted to be memorable. Yeah, generally, if you're if you're very memorable, that's not a good thing. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's fine. Sometimes it's fine, but generally, you know, I think the court tends to remember bad actors or bad actions more than the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what? I guess we have a few minutes left to talk about what happens after we leave the temporary orders hearing. We have our Everyone goes along their merry ways. What happens when uh, the best laid plans uh, fall short? Well, it depends on, you know, if you're talking about something where the, the orders actually need to be modified. I mean, you can, you can file a motion for further temporary orders or to modify the temporary orders, but, you know, you need to make sure that you've got a good reason to do so. And, um, you know, because you don't want to, come in appearing like they're just wasting the court's time. Now, if you've got another situation, say uh, someone was ordered to make certain payments uh, that they haven't been making, you can file a motion for enforcement to um, force the person to make those payments, and the, you know, the court can award attorney's fees for that and can throw the uh, other person in jail, depending on uh, depending on exactly what it was that they did not comply with in the order. Mm-hmm. Especially parenting time, and people would say, oh, no, you're not getting the kid oh, back yeah. until you pay the life bill or this bill or that bill. Um, right. <laughs> not, not, not good. Your judge's not going to like that uh, down, downstream. How long, To this is another question people have, you know, say this temporary order is hearing, you know, they're, they're saying, well, I don't really, I think I got a bum deal and, I'm thinking I could test some of this towards a final trial. 
how long in most cases, I know it's, it depends if there's, you know, custody evaluations and a million different uh, hoops to jump through in, in the meantime, um, but from a temporary orders hearing to a final divorce, in most cases, what are people looking at as far as a time frame? I know it's very Boy, variable it really, and a tough question, but... It, it, it really is. I mean, it really depends on if, uh, you know, if there's going to be if they're kid issues is what I'll say. So if there's going to be a custody evaluation, psych evals, things of that sort, uh, if there's going to be on the property side, if there are uh, difficult property issues, business valuations and things of that sort, with either one of those, let's say a business valuation or a custody evaluation, you can, those generally take anywhere from, you know, one to three months to perform those, depending on the time of the expert, the cooperate, uh, cooperation of the parties involved and, in, you know, getting the documents and, and doing everything else they're supposed to do. So I would say typically, you know, from a temporary order hearing, uh, you might be looking at six to nine months from that time, you know, for setting a first trial setting, somewhere around there, because typically what's going to happen is you're going to have the temporary order hearing. Temporary orders are going to be drafted that then everybody has to sign off on and approve. They're going to be submitted to the court. You're going to get those back and start going through, um, you know, a custody eval, psyche eval, business valuations if those are ordered. Or you might just be going through the discovery process. So let's say you're, you're sending interrogatories, requests for production, requests for disclosures to the other party. It takes a little time to draft those, and then the other party has – you know, 30 days to respond. Once they respond, you've got to, you know, go through their answers and make a determination. Have they properly answered? Do you need objections removed? Do you need them to produce additional documents that they have not produced? Uh, if so, will they do that voluntarily, or do you need to file a motion to compel to force the issue? So there are all these things that are, you know, that just take time to really get everything in order to prepare for a final trial. So, the last thing you want to do is half-ass it going into a trial. You know, right. so people get frustrated, and I totally understand it. And there, there are two different pieces with, with that as far as, you know, the courts are backed up. I mean, they are really backed up. There are so many filings in there. <coughs> Excuse me. So getting a trial setting any time in the, you know, the near future is next to impossible. So that's one thing. That's why, you know, typically it's going to take six, and it's going to be six to nine months out before you can get a setting, okay? But then in between that, there are a bunch of, you know, hoops you need to jump through to get prepared, you know, for, for going to trial. And that's the thing. Now, you know, only five to 10% of cases go to trial. Um, so, that obviously means the vast majority of them settled. But you've got to prepare a case like you're going to trial. You can't just basically sit back and hope you're going to settle because if you do, uh, A, you're not going to have all the documents necessary to reach a reasonable settlement. And let's say that if you don't reach a settlement, then you're going to be caught you know, uh, between a rock and a hard place going to trial without having done the work that you needed to do. So. Um, that's one thing that people need to keep in mind because what you see is when people try to cut corners on doing stuff and don't want to spend the money that is necessary, that has been advised by their attorney and, you know, given the reason, here's why we need to do that. 
what happens is they end up with a bad result and they're going, you know, going down modification road, you know, a year, two, three years later because of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that at the end of the day to, to wrap everything up in a concise statement is the temporary orders hearing is important. Taking it seriously is important. Trying to get agreements and getting things settled as much as you can beforehand is important. And it's just very, uh, just a key part of the process. Now, Mark, I want to thank you for your time today and explaining all this. And just want to ask you uh, for uh, a good way for people to follow up with you if they want to continue the dialogue, have more questions, uh, or just want to learn more about this. Sure. You can, you can always reach me at the office at 214-578-0941 or send me an email, mark at rulescroggins.com, and I'd be happy to, happy to help you out. All right. I want to remind our folks listening out there, too, to uh, check out the Rural Scroggins social media channels, um, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and Google+, uh, where there's, you know, as well as the blog, uh, where there are weekly articles, and there's really a library of resources and information, because the best clients are really uh, clients who are well-informed and understand the process. So, Uh, do uh, take a moment and check those out and uh, follow and like those pages and uh, keep up with things going on. And as there are news and events and changes and things in the world of family law that people need to know, we will uh, get those to you all. So, Mark, I want to thank you again for your time this morning. I enjoyed our program. All right. Uh, Have a good day, everyone.